you know, it's it's it, maybe there's some ego, like they're good at it, you know, like, hey, man, let's get the band back together. I want to fucking shred, you know, and like rob a bank. Right. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> Welcome to One Fucking Hour, everybody. I am Evan Husney, uh, joined, of course, uh, to my left, uh, Tom Fitzgerald. Tom? Howdy. And to my right, uh, Marcus Herring. Marcus, what's up? Hey, guys. I'm a little under the weather for this one, but All right. I think that this movie's so good, I'm going to be able to pull it off, maybe. It'll Hopefully. Muscle Fingers through. crossed. All right. right on, man. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, this, uh, this week's episode is on the 1978 film uh, Straight Time, uh, starring Dustin Hoffman. And let's start that clock. Show oh, again. no, the clock. <laughs> All uh, right. Just once, once again, an hour's not enough. <laughs> All right. Here we go. One fucking hour starts now. All right. I'm going to kick this one off. So, guys, this movie, to me, I saw this probably for the first time 15 or 16 years ago um, when I worked at a video store. It was actually a colleague who recommended it. Just come out on DVD, I think, for the first time. I took it home, and I fucking loved it. To me, it's a six-star movie, as we say here. This is a masterpiece in every sense of the word. It's been on my top ten, if there is one, you know, since, like ever since I saw it 15 years ago. It's, I'm such a super fan of this movie. That I even have my, uh, my my first edition hardcover of the <laughs> source material um, of, that this film is based on, which is No Beast So Fierce by Edward Bunker. Um, wow, that's amazing. And shelled out for it, had to. Um, and I think that the secret ingredient of why this movie is so amazing is the source material and the author. Um, and for those who don't know, um, Edward Bunker is kind of one of these, you know, career criminal guys. He's been in and out of prison almost his entire life. And, he, and then he became a writer and he started writing crime fiction geared towards criminals. Like he wanted to portray the the uh, the the underworld of crime in the most authentic way possible because he felt it wasn't represented in movies and in books and in novels. And I think that's really what his work achieves the most and I think that, you know, having him, which, you know, and they brought Ed, they, they brought Edward Bunker in as a consultant to the film. He's on set working with the actors and the dialogue obviously helped on the script. And I think because he brings his that real world street authenticity to this movie, that's what really, for me at least, puts it over the edge and makes it unlike anything uh, around in that time. I don't know if you'd agree, but Tom, uh, tell us a little bit about your relationship to uh, Straight Time. Uh, well, you know, I, I agree with you on, on all fronts. It's definitely a, boy, if it ain't a top five, it's a top 10. I mean, it's a major film for me too. I mean, I'm just sounding hyperbolic here immediately, but just what I mean is, um, I never get tired of it. I never go, mm, I don't know if I want to, I just go, I'm starting it and I'm going to go, I'm doing 90 minutes and I love every second of it, all the nuance. It feels very comfortable. And it just, it's an easy film. It's its so captivating. And there's a few factors. Like you said, Bunker, absolutely, his input and the authenticity that he brings to it. Um, you can't find a screenwriter to do that. It just won't happen. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not just also the authenticity, kind of like 
this is the way shit like this goes down, you know, the nuance and everything, or this is how, this is the lingo that people use. It's also, as we'll talk more, it's the anecdotes, the things that really happened because um, like life, uh, well, life ain't movies. Let's just put it that way. What I'm saying is the anecdotes of this film ring so true to me because they're messy, like kind of any endeavor that any of us human beings make, you know, they're committing crimes, but it just has that messiness like, oh christ uh, this thing went to hell fast you know and like this is how it went to hell and this guy left me hanging and like you know all the uh, hassles um and and all the uh, complications that make it almost um like a, a melancholy comedy in some way the not obstacles. that this film is yeah yeah and just like um you know life getting in the way he might have a great plan for a robbery and i think we have you know i'm going with this a really great scene to illustrate exactly <laughs> what i'm getting at um it's almost comical uh and it's almost tragic uh you know in some combination of just being alive and, and doing things anything and it just so happens that these are criminals and they're they have a lot more pressure on them than our day-to-day -day, you know what i mean and the stakes are higher so uh yeah it just it's just immediately captivating me because it doesn't feel like a documentary this film does not feel like a documentary at all no that's not, not no it's not verite so it's a very unique animal it's like it's it's rings really true and it feels lived in and it feels right and they use natural settings beautifully big ugly 1978 los angeles setting. <laughs> you know what i mean just a hellhole I, I grew up i was born and raised in long beach so it, i really get it you know what i mean late mm -hmm. 70s uh, southern california yeah it is one of those movies like where you know if you live in la it's beautiful to look at and see like the old school la and look through like all the lights and there's all this kind of green glow to the lights and there's a lot of beautiful green in the movie uh i wonder i was like did they even use fuji print i'm not sure but anyway but the uh with la uh you know it's one of those movies where like you if you if you live in la or if you if you have lived in la the enjoyment of it is only grows because you get to kind of like peek around. And I, and I do love that kind of movie. Yeah. And, yeah. and so straight time, obviously being about, you know, Dustin Hoffman too, which is another ingredient in the authenticity. I think for my money, I think this is his best performance in any movie. Um, and I think he's just absolutely amazing in it. Uh, the thing about Agreed. it is, yeah, is that in, you know, this film, and I think also the book, you know, n n no be so fierce. I think, which I actually looked into, and not to sound <laughs> pretentious, but it's from Richard the Third. You know, it's a quote from oh, uh, wow. from the play, and there's a line uh, where he says, uh, "No be so fierce, but know some touch of pity." And uh, I sound sounding really pretentious now, but the thing is, quoting Shakespeare on one fucking hour. But the thing is, is that um, I think that's a key thing to this whole movie is that it is about the dehumanization of a criminal, you know, and how someone is beaten down by the system. And this is what we're going to get into someone and, and, and the idea of going straight and coming out into this open world. But the system has beaten you down since you were a kid. And now you're trying to exist on the outside. Uh, and it's impossible. And the system has rendered you not a human. They've they've removed that away from you and they're treating you like an animal. But even all at the core of that you still are human and that's what we find out in this movie of course at the end which i'm sure we'll talk about um but that's i think what's really special about this movie is it really hammers that home and it really humanizes uh the life of a criminal which uh is yeah what let's not forget you're, that's a good point i mean our lead character is uh a criminal he's not like a murdering rapist or anything like that he's you know he's uh into petty larcenies and you know holdups and whatnot but he, he is a criminal and uh, you're right um i think uh we could we could go right now into the to the dance that he does with one of the yeah. other main characters 
uh, this other character representing um, the system. And, and, and the thing for me, it's his parole officer, uh, played beautifully by uh, M. Emmett Walsh. But I think what it gets for me is um, in, in M. Emmett Walsh, it's that kind of grotesque pettiness of pecking orders, meaning um, M. Emmett Walsh, the parole officer in the film, he's a nobody, he's a loser, he probably doesn't make much money, he's not loving life that much, he's probably finding petty cheap thrills, a little gambling, a prostitute here, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. he's, not, he's, not, he's not killing it, is what I'm saying, you know. Um, he's not living his best life. <laughs> as they say <laughs> sorry but just no so he's so he's he takes it out on people who are below him there's no other reason that he would treat dustin so poorly dustin's never done anything to him he's not a he's not the night stalker he's just some guy but he's like hey he's, I, i'm sadistic i can fuck with this guy he can't fight back and it's kind of fun he's sadistic and he plays mind games and uh and, and he plays with the power the little bit of power that this parole officer has because he's also in the system. That's what I Yeah, mean. exactly. And yeah, uh, queuing up the scene. So let's let's take a look at it. And this is, you know... Um, Put some context, yeah. Yeah, some context. You know, Dustin Hoffman's getting out of jail uh, for a burglary and he's now on parole and M.M. Walsh, as you said, is his parole officer. And uh, yeah, he's been fucking with him. And, um, and, and here's where it kind of goes to a head here. So shall we? What's this? So this is where he finds a. Um, I know that. Basically, just matches in his room. Well, it's a, well the whole uh, the whole all of them are burned out, which hints at like cooking up heroin. You know. Yeah. That's that's the thing. It's not like, uh, you know, it's burned out with no matches or anything. It's just they all went at the same time. So it's his down. clue. And spoiler alert. <laughs> kidding. But like, um, you know, his friend, <laughs> Dustin's friend, uh, came over. And he did. He did light up and do heroin. You get all those right in his fucking room. And he said, "Like, man, you're gonna get me in the fucking hole, dude, by doing that." And sure enough, Emmett's sharp. It's not his, you know, it's not his first rodeo. And he sees that burnout hole. Um, book of matches. Yeah, and, and that's what happens here. He's checking for tracks, and then you know, obviously, there's just not enough evidence, I think, to bring somebody in. But of course, he brings him in for a drug test, and then brings him in anyway. Him. Brings him in anyway, and then leaves him in the jail cell for days. Like an animal. Yeah, like an animal. Um, you know, he, and he's got a date tonight. He's trying to reassimilate, and then he just he brings him right Emmett, back into the system. Emmett's got a great look, by the way. You know, you know, he's great in everything. I mean, you know, Emmett's an amazing actor, but that look. Actually, the first, uh, well, the first major act, major actor I ever met when I was like 13 years old was. He's a great character actor. Emmett's Emmett amazing. No, and like his his lapels and his uh, sideburns are like duking it out for dominance. Yeah. <laughs> to, to me, I feel like he represents. You know, he he makes a racist comment. You know, and he's obviously got he deals with criminals all the time. He takes a hard line with criminals. I feel like he represents sort of like this. You know, like a right. He's like very right wing kind of like. Uh, you know, you, criminals deserve to be in jail. Yeah. You know, and he's he's painted as a racist, and I find it really interesting that he's not like. Uh, He's not given any sort of path of redemption. Like once we once we leave that character, we don't come back to them. And I feel like in a modern movie, like that character might have a second act where, like, we, he reveals another side of himself, and we and we find some sort of sympathy with him. And then right. I'm thinking like kind of like a Tommy Lee Jones and like The Fugitive or something, where like he has to uh, track him down, and they come to an understanding, you know. But I, I feel like this movie doesn't 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 do that. And I think that um, you know. 
the uh, it's sort of one of the ma- amazing things is that like Dustin Hoffman is like he is tries to participate in the system to set himself straight, right? But he's the system is the world is like un, he's unable to participate in it, and so he's his actual he actually finds freedom in rebellion from the system, and um, I don't know. I just think like uh, so. I'm a little sick, but um, right. You guys pick it up from there. Hang right? in there, man. <laughs> Amen, brother. Um, I I think hang, uh, hang in there, brother. <laughs> I don't know. I think he, I think he's just a sadistic douchebag. I don't think he has any compass of any kind of um belief system he just read he just screams to me just um just a cynical sadistic douchebag just nothing else just zero he doesn't care either no way. no and, and and he's trying you to know find it's like again. it's like working at a dog pound and you beat up the dogs it's just sadism you know what i mean yeah it's totally. power yeah and it's like, you know, and, and here's all these things like, you know, uh, Max Dembo is the name of the character, Dustin Hoffman's character and Max, you know, getting out of prison and, and he's being faced with all of these challenges. Like, you know, he's trying to reassimilate into society, but he has to be at the halfway house or he can't drive or the, there's a lot of these things, these obstacles that he can't do. Nothing is letting him uh, be free after he served his time, you know, and so I think that's kind of the thing that um, in the source material, that's what's kind of being shown and in the film is like, here's all these things that are these obstacles that are in your way preventing you from rejoining yeah. society. Even, even just yeah, getting that's what I'm getting at. It's like you know? that society, like society grants you that freedom as long as you're able to participate in it. But like if you're an ex-con or something, you're not able to participate because there's so many roadblocks, you know, right. just so getting a job, like basically. You know? Just like society is not able to even grant him the freedoms that we're like the normal, the normies like enjoy. So he has to like reach out and take it for himself, you know, and uh, that that's the message I got from the film. Yeah, for sure. I think another message in the movie, this just popped into my head, just I mean, we're bouncing around. But uh, one of the best kind of so many great actors and great performances in this movie. Well, I mean, Teresa oh, Russell, God. too, as the love interest. She's so good. That was, um she, I know she seems so uh, advanced for her years. I mean, um, I believe it's it's not quite her first film, uh, but it's her first big role, you know. And uh, she's maybe like nineteen. And um, yeah. I read a little about her. She was very precocious. She um, was kind of like emancipated, at like fifteen or something, and moved in with her boyfriend, which is weirdly what my sister did too. It's like a very seventies kind of thing, like um, leaving school, leaving the parents, and I'm going to grow up and uh, being at nineteen. It maybe in nineteen seventy eight, it means something differently than what people might think before or even after this period. And so she was um, very mature for her age and that performance was very impressive. So you're right, there's her and then um, there's some other folks, you know, in the cast that uh, we're big fans of and I guess we can do that. But if we can circle back, sure, uh, Mr. Evan, um, yep. we were talking about sort of fumbling to try to figure out what how to say it, but like the, um, the sort of random, uh, you know, cosmic joke of uh, all life and how it manifests for a petty criminal and there's this great scene that we love where in the narrative um he uh you know breaks from parole let's just say and he goes back to a life of crime i wouldn't say he's rusty but um he's getting his uh, sea legs and uh doesn't go very smoothly but boy does it feel like this happened probably to bunker <laughs> or his friend totally. and, or or to or and, and to very and lots of career criminals over the years um and uh you can even see these on uh closed circuit cams now these kinds of uh fumbling uh stick-ups so here's a great scene in the film 
Here we go. So set us up here. This is a scene where this is his first crime he's committing, really, after since he... Post he parole, left. breaking parole. Yeah, breaking parole, yeah. And he gets a shitty gun from some he, dude in a nightclub. <laughs> right, shitty, shitty gun in a nightclub. He needs cash. Yeah. It's almost like he needs to invest. It's almost like he just needs this cash to invest in another crime, the bigger one later. You know what I mean? He needs to get the ball rolling. That's incredible. Amazing. I got to do that sometime. And the shirt. All right, here we are. So, first problem. Uh, do, do we are we able to communicate here? <laughs> Does he speak English? Better tell him to open the register. <laughs> Okay, so he's an interpreter. That's always good for a quick uh, stick up, right? Yeah, that's a great look. Be good Halloween costume, Dustin. <laughs> yeah, totally. Such a cool look. Okay, so here we go. So uh, he doesn't look like a cool criminal right now, smooth criminal, so to speak. No, definitely not. Oh, here we go. Okay, all right. All right, hold on. Hey, hold on a second. Let me put the bullet in the gun. <laughs> All right, you know. Yeah. Okay, let's keep let's keep with the sticker. And that's that's one of the things that you mentioned when we were talking about doing this as an episode. You're like, oh, the bullet falling. Like that was a detail for you. I know. Yeah. It's just uh, it's it's a great yeah. little anecdote, it's... and it's perfectly done. And Dustin, you know, Dustin, Dustin is man one of the nerve most nervous actors ever. I just watched Marathon Man again. And uh, not so much. He's you know he's pretty um, pretty sort of catatonic in uh, the Graduate, but boy, can he get nerved up? You know, he can get he's really all- nervy and fussy. You know, and this is a good example. This is some killer fussy nervy Dustin. But he also can get like really scary in this. He gets kind of scary in this movie too, like yeah. towards the end with, with with Busey. I'm sure we'll talk about. But like he he really he really I think in this film is really inhabiting this character. I mean I don't know. I think it's an incredible yeah. performance. This movie. Definitely, yeah, there's, yeah. there's definite range to it. It's yeah. so great. A lot of American movies like focus on like the cop, you know, a cop's the hero. Or, and if we do see criminals, they're always like these ghouls or monsters, or or maybe there's even like a criminal that's like got a redemptive quality. It's like you know Robin Hood or something. He's like robbing the rich to feed the poor. But this movie feels like he's we identify him with him on like on a human level, like humanistic. And I don't know. It's it's pretty powerful. You know what's funny is. Um, just abstracted somewhat from the source uh, material of Bunker's book. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's just generally speaking, career criminals. And there's a there's a, um, a visualization of uh, just how much he's been in the system for how much of his life at the end of the film. And yes. uh, it actually, it, yeah, and it just hit me that it, it is analogous to Charles Manson's life. Not to get it oh, all like, ooh, Manson. 100%. But it's, yeah, 100%. because Manson, so, I don't know, I'm not sure what the math is, but I think that Manson was free and not locked up in some way only for less than 20 years his whole life and he died when he was like 80. you know what i'm saying so so meaning he um he tried to steal a car at 13 or something juvie hall something else happened something else happened something else happened he did a lot of years and he's out the manson family happens and then he goes back into jail so he mostly was in jail his whole life and he's not unlike dustin's character in that sense you know um and what that yeah, does she expresses to the- that to Teresa saying like, you know, uh, a lot of guys feel more scared on the outside than the inside. Yeah, exactly. More used to it. And, uh, and all. yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, that's a great line and a, and a good good call there, Marcus. Because like, um, I guess what I'm saying is I can't relate to it, and a lot yeah. of us can't. You know what I mean? But that, but the, he is giving us a window into someone who's even if they're not in jail, they're in some kind of fucked up headspace. You know, totally in or totally. out of jail. Totally. And you were talking about like the final shots of the movie, which, you know, is this this amazing montage of just the different Max Dembo, you know, mug shots from over the times he spent, you know, going in, you know, down in age. Yeah. Right. And of course, there are these great younger photographs of Dustin Hoffman they use. But I just wanted to throw this back, not to bring my awesome book back again, but the back show it, of show the it. book also has that Ooh. With, uh, with Bunker, you know, so that that's taken like directly from the book that right. he also, you know. Again, right, all right. his mug shots. So that's kind of you a cool throwback there. That's yeah. really cool. Thanks for yeah. flipping the, the the book. I didn't know the back. Totally. But now that now that gets into another thing that mm-hmm. kind of captured my interest and in, in, we've talked about a little bit is uh, and we introduce another character in the film and another fine performance. Oh yeah. There's this other thing that's unrelatable. I'm speaking for myself about the life and mind of a criminal. But um, his good buddy uh, is portrayed by Harry Dean Stanton. Everyone's favorite, Harry Dean Stanton, who does, uh, boy, that's a great role. And to the point, and the though, name of his uh, character, the name of his character is Jerry Shue. Don't forget that, but go on. Oh, how could I? <laughs> yeah, no. And so Jerry Shue, uh, while Dustin's been locked up, has gone straight uh, and he works at some, you know, some dumb job, some warehouse job. And he has uh, a wife like in, uh, you know, Studio City, like a tract home next to like the freeway kind of thing. And um <laughs> You know, and he's got a life. He's got a life. He's got a straight life. He's doing straight time. And it's funny because you meet him and he's in that context. You know, you don't know who, you know, uh, Dustin's friend here is exactly like maybe he went straight. Maybe it worked. But then immediately when the wife walks out from the three of them having a chat, the first thing Harry says is, you got to get me fucking out of here, man. I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And he's saying, like, I can't do this jive, you know, like suburban life thing and he's like like i know you got something man i know you got something and he's just itching for it so what i'm trying to say is there's this other thing that you have seen represented somewhat where crime for a lot of these guys can be for lack of a better word sexy and it's exciting and they just fucking enjoy it i won't say that about dustin yeah i don't know what it is i think there's a few things going on that's that's definitely part of it uh the danger thing but um uh you know it's it's it, maybe there's some ego like they're good at it you know like hey man let's get the band back together i want to fucking shred you know and like rob a bank right well were you gonna say something marcus i don't want to cut you off oh no i was just thinking about because he, he keeps harry dean santon keeps saying like he's a professional and like this is so unprofessional so he definitely views that as his like his avocation in life is that he's, yeah like, a really good yeah. criminal, a professional well, I, criminal. He looks like he's good at it. It's just compared to Dustin, though, he was really slipping. You know, that's the well, thing. Well, the thing is, is that, yeah, yeah. Well, Dustin, <laughs> we'll I think when, when he breaks parole and his life starts to fall apart again, you know, because he has the relationship developing with Teresa Russell on the job and all that stuff. And we're going to circle back to Harry Dean here in a second. But the thing of that, having all that and it being taken away, I think that the downward spiral of Dustin's character as this movie progresses, like his energy... <laughs> you know, is so manic, you know, and it's so reckless and it's so, um, you know, just like compulsive. There, there's a real compulsion there, you know? Great word. And that's, Great word. That's what, impulsive. that's what, yeah, and, and that too. But that's also what develops. It's just like I'm on this course and I can't be taken off of it and, you know, fuck anyone who's going to step in, you know, in my way until it gets, 
too late. You know? Right, right. I know it's like he uh, half his mistakes come from rushing it, right? Like, well, we'll just fuck it. We'll just do it anyway. You know, even though it didn't, even though the plan's not going correctly, we're just going to do it anyway. And the other half is from taking too long. You know, like once he's in the crime, he's like, all right, I'm going to spend extra long in here. Right. You know, it's well, he's like, sloppy. <laughs> well, but I think there's some actual, and, and we'll maybe play the clip. Maybe we'll do this kind of backwards, or, or I'll be introducing this next clip. There's yeah, a particular. Evans dying to say something. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm oh, dying. oh, okay. I, yeah. I, I, I got to. I got to. I got to get this one thing in just real quick. Um, what, what you were saying about you know how he's being you know too fast or he's being too slow. There's something really interesting I noticed on this viewing of the movie, which I watched again, finished today. Um, is when he's interviewing for the job when when Dustin Hoffman's interviewing to get the job with Teresa Russell. That scene where they meet for the first time. I never noticed this, and 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 she gives him the test on the typewriter. You know, and he's like, you know, and he's typing away at the typewriter. She goes, time's up, time's up. And he's just, yeah. And he keeps going. And that's, that's kind of right. this really smart little detail they put in the script. Right. Because that's obviously going to be a theme later on is that he doesn't fucking listen to when, he doesn't listen to when time's up. It's going to be like us with this episode, but like time's up, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's off true. Yeah. the typewriter. That's true. Anyway, I, sorry. Like, like, it's like, yeah. hey, hey, Dustin, you've got three fucking minutes to yeah. finish this. <laughs> Story heist. Well, no, we're all talking. There's yeah, that we're all, aspect of the time too. Yeah, that that. Yeah, yeah that but I think I think there's something. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think there's something uh, even weird. There's a particularly weird thing that he's going through in the final heist, which we have a clip of. We'll play that after I blab here. But what I mean is, um, there is some particular significance to that heist. He's not just being greedy. He's not like we were allotting ourselves three minutes exactly. And, and, and Harry Dean Stanton is a stopwatch because at three minutes, door, out, back, go into the getaway car. And they're slipping. It's like 3.50, four minutes, 4.10. You know, it's terrible. No, but what Dustin's doing in the narrative of the film is that uh, they're at a jewelry store that, um, that he and his girlfriend, um, you know, um, Teresa Russell, were casing out. You know, like, what's going on here? There's security cams and he's casing the joint. And, you know, Teresa didn't really care about the jewelry so much, but... He, you know, he, he wanted her to like a piece of jewelry that he gave her. He did wind up giving her a piece of jewelry. So he's kind of looking for this piece of jewelry in the middle of this heist that he had the impression that she kind of liked. And she looked at a little longer. He really wanted to find it so he could give it to her and do the boyfriend to the girlfriend kind of thing. And because and, that's the kind of normal life that he does want. He's got he really the humanity. Does want, he has the humanity. Yeah, he so. wants to be with her. But um, what's really grotesque about the circumstance, though, is he's looking for uh, jewelry, you know, often white, shiny, clear jewelry in uh, amongst broken glass. So that also is going back to my thing of like really pitch black comedy almost. You know what I mean? If you really just look at it objectively, you know, like he's fishing around in broken glass for not jewelry, but the jewelry that he thinks that she kind of might have liked a little bit. And, and it's so it's extra. I don't know the words tragic, but it's like, Very you know, tragic. it's just it's, um, it's his neurosis and, and it's manifesting. And it's what you were saying about the typing. Right. I think that um, there's partly that making it for lost time thing. Totally. You know what I mean? The word time does apply. But um, so there's some there's some incredible if we do cue up that clip. Yeah, there's some incredible tension. Yeah, because. But when he cases a joint with her, we don't actually get to see a close up shot of the jewelry that they're looking at, right? So it's like it's no. kind of like, but he's fixating on it. Yeah, but he knows crime. Yeah. So so right, he does. But as the audience, we're going like, what are you doing? Just get out of there. It helps underscore that you know that he's the, he's uh, not just the insanity of what he's yeah, doing. No, we didn't focus on it. You know? No, yeah, he's <laughs> wasting time, not just 
grabbing handfuls, he starts really getting into the weeds here. And it's like, he says to one of the clerks at the jewelry store, like, there was one here, it was like that. And it's like, uh, and then he just, and he never finds it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it so sounds like he's shopping halfway through. Yeah. It's so hard What's that? to watch. No, it's no, so, I mean, it's he, almost like he, sh he starts shopping for it. You know? Yeah. Well, Absolutely. but I mean, he's, 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 um, uh, compulsive. And, and really, and just to really get into the weeds here, he wants her to love him. Yes. Because that is the only thing that had worked at all, maybe in like the past 20 years, is like they're, they're bedding down for a few days. And he wants that, he did want that to work, not to get a job or anything like that, but he wants to run away with her. And he thinks that something like that would matter to her, but she's not that kind of gal, you know? And so he's wrong that way. But also, it's, he's, he's, um, he's uh, externalizing things. Uh, the love that he can give her is that piece of jewelry, right. and he can't find it. He doesn't care about doing time right then. He doesn't care about dying right then. He doesn't care about his identity right then. Mm. He wants to find his love in the broken glass to give it to her. There's an wow. incredibly irrational, that's incredibly irrational behavior. So let's check out the scene. <laughs> oh, we're seeing it. Whoops. Yeah. That's what's happening. <laughs> and he's really... And there's this there's incredible uh, fitzing uh, Dustin in this scene, you know. Look at this. And again, what I'm saying is, yeah, he's stealing, but look at him. He's looking and throwing things back. Not, the yeah. person's is, not is, well. Is, he's not well. Is this for the uh, the trope of like the timing out a crime? came from you know we've seen it so many times in the movies when they're like 30 seconds no 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 20 seconds and they do it about that yeah. no no this is well i mean oh in other movies i don't know but i mean they had bank heist consultants guys who were convicted bank robbers come in on the set i'm going to show you a clip of that a little later on of how they came oh, in and wow. would, would walk them through all this to the point of total authenticity that was the whole idea was that they wanted this movie to be the realest heist movie you've ever seen you know that was a that's real... another great look too uh i like harry's look like big mickey mouse uh hands kind of gloves <laughs> and this green <laughs> green jacket it's great they look, look amazing i know yeah. the glasses that's a holiday costume. balling and then the, the ski, ski goggles. goggles right there right here this shot where he's not even looking at harry and he's going i'm not listening to you right now i i don't care what time it is and look at look at her, the word is reckless he's re yeah he's stealing guys but no, there's something he's really, you know, when people melt down and they lose it, yeah. that's what we're watching. This is not a, th a heist anymore. And then it's, it's just really like, not. now we're blowing the clock by minutes now. Yeah. And it's just like, at what, the experience of watching this for the first time, I'll never, oh. Look at that, right here, class. how about this? Talk oh. about compulsive, he, and look what he's doing. He's not, he's, he's sort of, he like took one piece of jewelry. He's looking for the other one. He's starting to give up and he's going, that one's kind of like that one. And, and then he's, he's just like, oh, forget it. Okay, let's go. It, it, yeah, it oh. is amazing how it, how on edge it makes you feel. Awful, awful, <laughs> you know? awful. Really and then, is. of course, and then the fun continues because they uh, they go out the back door and Gary Busey, another fine performance. Um, Gary Busey's the um, getaway driver and he's not there. You know why? It's still Dustin's fault because it took so long and maybe Gary, got, who got scared, said, if we're exceeding like a minute, minute and a half of the, you know, the agreed time, the three minutes, whatever, like uh, I got to get out of here because the cops are like, you know, at the edge of the street here. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. it's still, it's still Dustin's fault that, um, oh, yeah. well, can I just, well, spoilers, big old yeah. fat spoilers. And that's how the show works. But, um, 
you know, he kills his two friends. Yeah. That's his fault. It's not Gary. You know what I'm saying, right, guys? It's not oh, yeah, Gary Busey's fault that he drove away. Yeah. It's that the fucking guy oh, yeah. lost his mind mm-hmm. and compulsively was looking for a thing that wasn't there. So anyway. Um, yeah, explains that saying like, well, hey, it'd been five minutes of the alarm going off. Also, Dustin, they, they, they doubled they, they set it up. There's no question about that because like they set it up early on that like uh, Dustin swapped out drivers you know and got the last less minute. professional driver at the last minute and didn't tell him so it's like it's like double double fuck ups you know i love when to, uh, i love when uh, a good point yeah more fucking I, I, up. I i i love that in that moment when he when gary Busey is revealed as the backup driver and harry dean's like you know <laughs> wrong wrong you know wrong you know you should you should have told me that was wrong <laughs> wrong um anyway yeah. speaking of harry d uh, can oh, we, can I, we, I was gonna say yeah. Can I actually, uh, let's get to the clip, yeah. but I want to bring up another scene just to kind of put a button on this, sure. but there's a, I, I forgot to mention or pull it to, for the show here, but there's such a great moment after the, this, the first heist, the first heist of the two that we see in the film, there's the first one's a bank. I have a and, uh, it's, it's, okay. Well, it's the two boys, but what I'm saying, it's not the heist itself. It's oh. they get out and they get away on the heist on the first of the two. And they just drive away in some pickup truck or something, kind of like Cheech and Chong or something, like very 70s guys. And they literally have a bag full of money. And they're just like, uh, hey, man, look at it. Smell it. 20s, 50s. And they're like shoving in each other's faces. And it, they look like kids. And they've got the rock and roll buzz of pulling off a heist and getting away with it and fucking suddenly having bags of cash. And that's what I mean. That's that sexy thing. I mean, it's not just sexy. It also means that you just got all this money that you didn't earn, you know? It's, and so, uh, and it's fun and it's exhilarating. It's like, Hey, let's uh, finish the night off with hookers and blow. It's that kind of thing. And uh, <laughs> Harry is such a great encapsulation of that. He can be cautious. He can be careful. He can be professional, but he also can get loose. And you know, who's the bad influence? Dustin Hoffman's character. I know. I have to just say that it's a major pet peeve of mine in movies when guys pull off heists and they just have to fling the money everywhere. You know, like they just have to like, like it's going to fall out the window. It's going to blow away or like someone's going to see sure. it. You know, I always, I, that always bothers me. Um, but no, right. you're, 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 you're totally right. Um, uh, can, can, but you know what it is? Harry wants to be tempted and led astray by someone right. like his friend, you know, Dustin Hawking character. That's the ten- so he has tension too. He goes right. back and forth. We see it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's brought up in the behind the scenes, which I want to show a clip of, because you just mentioned the bank heist. I think this is a good segue into that, where they had the real bank robbers there as consultants on set talking to the actors about this, which is amazing. And they always in this featurette talk about the high. They talk about the high. It happens right when you leave the threshold of the door of the bank is when that high just hits you like nothing else, man. And that's what we're trying to always recapture, you know, and okay. things like that. And so one of the guys talks about that in this little piece. Okay. But, that's, what um, we're, that's what we were getting at. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just want to show you this. the most realistic bank robbery you'll ever witness unless you are the victim of a crime. So yeah, here we here we go. They're they're already trying to sell. This is a clip from the behind the scenes. They're they're trying to sell it as this is the most real bank heist you've ever seen. So this is behind the scenes uh, scenes footage of them filming the bank heist scene you just were talking about. So cool! I've never seen it. Yeah, which is so amazing. Another Dustin, great scene. You guys need to watch this movie immediately, everybody. If you haven't or see it again. 
Oh yeah, it's hopefully really they've great. seen it before they watch this. But yeah, no, fair um, enough. Yeah, turn it off now. Turn our show off now and watch it. It's so good. Highest but, recommendation. Check this out. So they here's this. Oh god, he's so good in this. It's unbelievable. Um, here they are filming the scene. Right. So fucking cool to see this. But listen to this. They have a bill in one of those things, and you trip it when you take it. You trip the alarm. So I really tripped the alarm. And those noises you heard was the cops, so we really did beat it. Because we were sitting here when we when they just arrived about 30 seconds ago. I tripped the alarm. Their rubbery lesson so, so well. So Dawson is explaining that they actually tripped the, you know, whatever thing in the drawer when he was pulling the money, and they were out the door before the real cops came to the set. To be like, whoa, what's going on in this bank? <laughs> right, right. Like, I'm in the wrong business here. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. so, Isn't it cool so, to just see Dustin Hoffman and Harry Dean Stanton together? I don't amazing. think that's happened. It's so cool. Other, the, otherwise. The caliber of acting in this movie is so great. And so many great actors in one film. And I guess it is an actor's movie. The director, like a lot of guys in the 70s, is like a, a play. Did a lot of plays, I guess. I don't right. really know that much about the director. But I did gather that about his career. That he was mainly like a like a theatrical, uh, you know, guy. I just, I love that era when people were like, the directors came from plays and like, there was so much focus on acting and rehearsing and really dealing with actors rather than it is just like, you know, action. But there is cool action in this movie too. Yeah. Those two heists are driving and stuff. As good as as any heist scene ever. It's like great stunt driving too. Like when the the first sort of turns on Emmett Walsh and there's an amazing shot of just the the car veering up the the hillside, like right off the highway and then and then back down. It looks like the car's about to flip over, but it's just amazing stunt driving. Well, the thing is, um, this film did uh, was birthed sort of oddly in that um, Okay, so Uli Gospard is the director of the film. And uh, from what I understand, he was just a simply a personal friend of Dustin Hoffman as much as anything. You know, like like uh, he wasn't it wasn't a hire by the studio or anything like that. Like they were buddies. They actually did the film. Uh, this is your favorite, Evan, I know. Who is Harry, who oh God, who is Harry Kellerman and why is he saying all these terrible things about me? Yeah, yeah. One of those great early 70s full sentence titles. No, but so that's them. That's a collab. That's Dustin's the lead. And um, he's basically Bob Dylan. And Gus Bard was the director of that film. So they're like old friends from like maybe even like, you know, off off Broadway 60s world, you know, that kind of thing. And so but with Straight Time, it's like so uh, Dustin loved the book, wanted it. Uh, and he wanted to direct this film. Gus yeah, Nachman, I love that. And he started to direct this film. I don't know. I wonder what scenes maybe it's out there what scenes that he did kind of helm and uh, but then he quickly realized that simply he just couldn't do wear the two hats and be like you know like uh, rolling and then like oh my god I'm the, the lead on camera here so he said I need someone and so that's pretty much probably why that Gus Bard was hired because it's like he knows and trusts him and he's they're like dear friends from what I understand good, so good collaborators yeah yeah, exactly. The story I read was like it was like the first day he ran. So Dustin kept having fidgeting with the camera or something, and the studio was like, "We're not going to be able to finish this movie." He didn't get any yeah. shots off. We're running out of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little, a little, uh, little thread there. Can, can we no, but what I was going to say, just well, just very briefly, just on um, Hoffman, uh, you know, as the uh, you know the so such a force of the film. Just I had heard this anecdote. I can't remember. It was on TV when I was like a kid or something. It was about him being a control freak, legendary on the set and how it was almost um, satirized. And there was a wink about his control freakiness uh, with Tootsie, 
And um, there's this thing if you if you know the film, he uh, you know he, he uh, the parole officer's busting his chops and locking him back up, and then he says fuck this. Dustin just starts punching the shit out of him while the parole officer's driving them, and then he pulls him out, pulls out the parole officer, he, and he embarrasses him. He sure does. <laughs> and then he uh, you know he handcuffs him to you know just a gate. Uh, yeah, no, a fence, a fence between one side of the freeway and the other. And uh, Dustin Hoffman, from what I understand what i've heard is that this went on for like at least a whole day he and the director gusbard were arguing about oh let's just have the humiliated his pants are down parole officer <laughs> you know handcuffed uh and dustin's like no he needs to be doubly humiliated he needs to have his front junk exposed to one side of the freeway and his ass exposed to the other side of the freeway double humiliation and the director was like i don't know let's just have his bare ass i'm gonna he's like dustin's like no no and they're like from what i understand he blew up so bad it was like you know it's like a it's like a legend to like you know grips and ad's and stuff like remember when he lost his mind and was couldn't even talk to him about having to have double uh you know what i mean like like humiliation that's amazing double just like uh, and that's of course what you're saying is like when tootsie he's he's he plays an actor who's so difficult to work with right. that, he, that literally nobody will hire him right and so <laughs> that's that so what i'm saying is that that characterization in tootsie is based on an anecdote like in the straight time one i just blabbed about so that's so it. cool um, yeah. Okay, I got I got to step in because times I'm like Harry Dean over here with the clock. We got oh 20 God. minutes. Okay, 20 fucking minutes. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. More, more <laughs> podcast. No, no. <laughs> um, I do want to circle back around to the Harry Dean clip, and I want us to also talk about the robbery clip yeah. too. The in the in the store when he robs the store. So um, first, let's just circle back around to Harry Dean because we were kind of on that thread for a minute. Um, incredible uh obviously just you know one of the best you know actors ever amazing performance in this film you were talking about it already but let's get to it because it's so great um yeah this is right after he says to dustin like man get me out of here i know you got a heist let's do something this is a boring scene basically what he's saying yeah and this is it's all in one shot too which is fantastic too that yeah plays out just lets it breathe but then the shot reveals what it ultimately could be, right? Yeah. The way it revolves. It's so cool. It's good filmmaking, you know? Oh, it's 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 amazing. I love this. Yeah. And Harry. Harry's a legend. You know, you don't always see Harry singing in a movie. Look at that. Oh, they cut to a crane shot. I forgot. Yeah, that's right. That's sorry. I thought it just all continues. But th that's that whole scene, frankly, it always makes me hungry. Those hamburgers I mean, me look too. good. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, she's like got all the condiments. You know, they got condiments, onions. But yeah, it's pretty basic hot dog. I mean, sorry, uh, hamburger. It does look but, good. Um, it's very thick uh, backyard does. burger. Those yeah. hamburgers, though. I think, I think I'm more <laughs> looking for that kind of lifestyle than the uh, Robin Banks on the road type. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, that's a, that's a millions of people do that. You know what I mean? Millions of uh, men, husbands do that. And uh, yeah, he's just like, get me out of here. And I think a lot of guys, I guess, because I don't live in that world, but like, I guess they, um, you know, something, it, it saps them, you know? And like, we were talking about all the pathologies of what uh, Harry Dean was feeling when he's like, I got to get back, juice me in, let's do a, a heist. He's probably like feeling somewhat um, uh, like a cuckold, you know, somewhat, you know? And uh, he's not a big man with a gun and making shit happen and making cash fast. 
And it just feels like, so you're kidding me. I could make, um, you know, in one day, in one hour, uh, what I make in like six months at this job, for instance. You know what I mean? I think um, also with this movie and that character, I think the character of uh, choosing to put a character like that in this story is so amazing and so perfect to the themes of the movie because I do think, and I've heard, you know, Bunker talk about this too with his books, is like a big thing of him, uh, with him in, in his work is establishing the, here's the square people versus the convict people, you know? And, and uh, to him, I think what really is very special about his work and, and really puts the nail on the head is the idea that, you know, if you're a convict, if you've seen the other side, if you've seen that darkness, you know, and, and you've touched that, like you can't go back. You know, and um, I think Harry Dean's character is perfect. Why well, what, did he articulate that? Like, what? In what way can you not go back? Like, well, you. I, it sounds like we're doing a few things. Like, you miss it. Like, well, you, you you tasted it before. I think you can't well, let go I, of it. Well, I think what I was going to say is with Harry Dean's character. You know, he's becomes disillusioned with this very artificial world that he's living in. You know, it's like it's like it's like. When you're on the inside, you see everything stripped away. Everything, it even mentions, Dustin's character kind of mentions that. Oh, wow. Everything yeah. stripped away. So it's like this pure darkness that you're really experiencing. So then to come out of that and to have to reassimilate into this really artificial, just kind of like, yeah, picturesque, you know, burgers and songs by the pool. It's just like, you know, that's just not, you, you will never be that. You cannot, you can't, you can't become oh, that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because you've tasted like tasted some heavy. Darkness. Heavy part of the world. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You, you, it's almost like being, uh, in, you know, in Vietnam or something. Exactly. You know, probably, exactly. you know, not as harrowing, but it's more than, <laughs> it's more related to Vietnam than it is to a suburban pool. Mm. Well, both are just, yeah, both are the dehumanization, right? I mean, both touch on that, and I think that's what he's saying, and I think the fact that his character is here and... And yeah, just to him, this world is completely artificial and it's so perfect. And, and almost in a comedic way, as you said, where he's just like, give me the fuck out of here, you know, give me yeah. out. It's just, it's it, is so the, it is the first thing Dustin's, he says to Dustin when they're alone. It's the first thing. And it's, it is almost funny, but also he just, I, I'll shut up about it, but it just, I think it also just uh, in some measure too, is just sexy and fun. Whereas suburban pool life, it never is ever. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. sexy and fun like you're risking your goddamn life look guys we're three people who've never tasted any of that stuff i don't know or i, I won't speak for you two guys yeah, marcus hey. looking at you <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know about him man and i'm almost the, not kidding he's on the hey, dark web over there there's, there's whole years of marcus i don't know about you know <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. me i'm i'm a boy scout i'm i'm so straight laced and lame but like um but uh, no, anyway, I'm saying just speaking for the three of us, it's just like, uh, or about the three of us, it's just like unrelatable, like the, 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 the pain, the psychological damage, but then also like the, um, you know, I'm going to say this again, I'm going to say this every podcast, be like the ace of spades, you know, like yeah. just pulling that <laughs> lemmy kind of lifestyle thing. You know what I mean? Like, right. like I might, I might not see the sunset today, you Fuck know, yeah. like th- yeah. this morning might be my last morning. Yeah, Let's fucking right. do this. A Let's lot of it is like, you know, like, right? whereas we as people are like living in this society that's completely fake for all of us, you know, and like we've got, we're fighting against this biology and this history of ourselves as like as a species that used to w- go to war with each other and, and fight and kill animals and eat it, you know, and, and so prove ourselves. Like, 
You know what I mean? Right, right. And instead, you have to like in this world, you have to like be a fast, be a fast typist. You know, like that's what that's the job that Dustin's applying for, and and like you know, uh, check in with your parole officer. Just like really boring, mundane kind of activities and you can't even do that because the system it's unfair to That's someone who has his background you know so it's like not only do we have it all inside of us that we're like that we have this biology of like our of caveman past that that we're trying to fit into this like you know somebody said like round round peg and a square hole, square peg and a round hole absolutely we are all that but then he doesn't even have that choice of being able to force himself into it because the system is just set up against him. So. Exactly. And that's what this I mean, is really that, about, yeah. you know, and you don't see that portrayed much, you know, in movies, you know, before this. I mean, maybe more so now, but I think that's what's really kind of cutting edge with this with this material is that it really showcases yeah. that. Exactly. The you system know, created this. Yeah, I think just to, uh, to get even heavier here for a second, I think I think the saddest scene in the film because there's a lot of sadness, obviously. All throughout, let's mm-hmm. let's not get it twisted. Like uh, you know, there's a great mix of colors, but it never gets too dark. Strangely, but I found this the darkest scene in a way. In a way, he makes love with Teresa Russell, and the next morning, I think she blows off work or something, and he's just sitting there, and it's very tender, and he's you know touching her flesh, and uh, it's been a long time for dude. I mean, you know, however long it's been in jail, everything, and. Uh, He's he's uh, suddenly in a, in a situation that he really wants to be in, and it's really nice—not just the sex, but like it's a really nice, tender kind of loving moment. And she seems really cool, you know. And they're connecting, and it's it's nice, okay, right? It's a nice human connection. But he probably it probably makes him feel worse because he knows that it's it's an anecdote, and it's not connected to any kind of future totally. with her or or anybody else. And I think that he just, it stings him probably in some way, and it makes him kind of sad, uh, I guess. And I think that it's on his face a little bit uh, in oh, that no, scene. Oh, he's, no, he's, he's staring Help me right out here. into her, he's staring right into her nipple. It's like her nipple is like yeah. right up to his cornea, and then he's like, he's got like tears in his eyes because he's right, already jumped right. the parole, so it, it's right. over for him. He's on the run. But now he's finally had this intimate moment with Teresa Russell. Like you said, she's super fucking cool and he's really into her and she's great. And she's kind of willing to, you know, play along for a little bit, but she's scared. But then they have, yeah. they finally make love. And then he has, he sees what this could be. And he's like, oh, maybe I did really fuck this up. Exactly. Right. The but fact that's that another kind of taste. Her, the fact that he's at her breast to me, it felt like, you know, just like a symbol of like, uh, like he's a baby and the, oh, yeah. and the motherly, uh, he's looking for some sort of, that that stability of his, you know, of an uh, innocence of his of his past, but I, I think the love interest is played really interesting in this film. Like they're not star-crossed lovers; they're not like so deeply passionately in love. You never feel that. She actually says like, "I'll stay with you as long as I can hack it," but then I'm going to leave. And he's like, "I know." And I think like you know, he's trying to like like you said, Tom, he's trying to give her that bracelet or whatever. Early, <laughs> he wants to give her nice things, but it's not like. It's not like he's driven by his love, you know. He's not motivated by his love in this movie, which I thought to be really nice. Because usually in American films, people are, you know, they've got totally. some sort of like love interest that's driving them, and that's it's a play. It's like it's almost like more like she's a symbol or something, you know, she's of the, like what she's that the connective, life could be, you know. Yeah, yeah, she's the connective thing to you know his humanity that he's not, yeah, you yeah. know, not to be overbearing. And but she's like, cool, but like he's not just like super in love. They're not in love with each other, you know, right? Yeah, I don't know. I think that um, she's definitely symbolic. 
uh, in the ways we were talking about, um, representing the external world and his one little, uh, you know, tethering, tethered connection to it. But I think there's something else going on where maybe it's just uh, the polar opposite of what you were saying before about how he's tasted the darkness, yeah. right? He's mm -hmm. in that moment. That's not darkness. That's light. It's actually yeah. a really nice morning. It's like brightly lit bedroom, you know, yeah. and uh, the sun shining. And I think that that can be the most tragic thing you can imagine. You know, not like him getting just beaten up or something, you know, by, you know, a CEO or something like that. Yeah, that's darkness. We get it. You understand that. But it's almost the darkest when you have experienced the light and it's fleeting and you know it for a whole bunch of reasons. And uh, it's never the same again. He has a perfect uh, intimate moment. And it's not about her, but it's not not about her either. It's about having a beautiful intimate experience, which we've all had, you know what I mean? And then it's just, it's not, it doesn't have a future. And that feels pretty brutal for him in, in, totally. in the context of Very that dark. scene happening in his life. Should we try to fit in the, the awesome uh, robbery scene of, the, of this junk store? We have eight minutes left. Should we do it? Yeah, Let's then maybe it. we should then we should talk about GB maybe. A uh, little bit, little bit. Yeah. Wait, what was that? Busey. Oh, Busey. About, let's do a little Busey. Yeah. Well, this scene is just you know r really cool because again you know going back to the authenticity of you know this right. world and here he is he's really at this point in the movie he's super fed up because he <laughs> he didn't get his guns you know for the that were promised to him for the. When he's supposed to stick right. up a, a another game. another almost like uh, comedic situation where um, some guy left. So there, he's trying to he's trying to stick up a fucking poker game in like Van Nuys. And the guy who's, who's going to bring the guns just like shows up like as everyone of the, is leaving the poker game. You know, again, it's almost comic. So, yeah, he needs some guns. And because, again, this is that weird thing where it's like he's not committing just a crime. Like, well, I'm going to steal some stuff. He's like, I got to make the investment. You know, it's like, it's very practical. I got to get the guns, and then I start really getting the ripoffs going. But what I like here is that uh, this is a, a, a situation where you see the character, he's good. Like, because he fucks up a lot and things, fucked up things happen, but right. he knows how to tear down a wall <laughs> yeah, and get through it. He's like, all right, I got some more bricks. Like, oh, wait, I need, I need one more brick. This is not his first rodeo, as they say. And uh, he's he's he knows what to do, how to do it. He knows the weak maybe spot of a wall. You know, did he like hit it? Maybe yeah. like find what sounds a little hollow. You know that kind of thing. And uh, you know, in respect to him, it's like uh, he's doing what he does, and he's good because you don't always see him. Yes, yeah. he's putting in work, and he's like, look, he's like, I need to break it away, <laughs> just a smidge, and we're in business. You know. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's so it's so amazing, and obviously this shot here too that's coming up is so awesome, and of him just um, we play it through. I don't know him. if it's played through. Oh, okay. Well, it's not. I don't um, think it, that's yeah. Yeah, but just you, you have know, to watch. We, I, I would just put on the whole movie. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I know you guys want to talk about Gary Busey. I just wanted to also quickly mention the fact that sorry, hopping back, just that Eddie Bunker's in the movie too. I feel like we should just say that really fast and this is just it's cool that they that they brought him in I for a cameo I was just about to ask that yeah yeah so 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 here's Eddie Bunker uh, or sorry Edward I don't know what you go by Mr. Bunker but um he's in the movie um and this is cool too because you know he really would go on to kind of develop a lot of relationships in Hollywood and kind of be you know hobnobbing with a lot of these Hollywood types I mean he's in Reservoir Dogs as Mr. Blue Some of you 
So you may recognize him, yeah. Yeah. Um, from and, Reservoir Dogs. And you know what's funny? You see him and, uh, you know, a lot of non-actors. Right, he's like Mr. White, I think, right? Mr. Is that Blue. it? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Oh. But, um, you know, it's funny. You know, you see non-actors sometimes walk in. And uh, sometimes when they're, like, playing themselves, like, they're really stiff. But you can see this guy has charisma, man. And he, he knows how to tell a joke and whatnot. Like, he has some street charisma, you know? You and can he, feel it. Yeah, and he also, like, really forged a relationship, I think, with John Voight, you know, connecting our other episodes together. And I think they really got along. And then, of course, uh, Bunker has the amazing scene in Runaway Train, which I could do a fucking hour yeah. on. But uh, he, he, he's in there, too. And, and actually, you know, during the prison stabbing sequence is, is incredible. But Right, right, you know, right. So it's cool that he kind of had that, you know, kind of had all these opportunities in Hollywood to get straight. Yeah, yeah. After this film, yeah, you know, yeah. it really uh, gave it him another life. That's, that's like Trejo, right? He was like that too, like where he was actually like a, a career criminal who, uh, right, totally. You got a second a chance at life or something. Yeah, <laughs> I got stomach. Totally. Now he's got owns a bunch of taco restaurants. Yeah, all right. Well, I guess, yeah, him writing, him writing the book did it. Uh, what do we have? How much time? We got three minutes. We got four. I can't four see minutes. the clock. Yeah, four minutes. Four minutes, man. Well, okay. Here's my take on it. There's another great performance. It's Gary Busey. I would like to help in the beginning of the redemption of Gary Busey. He's been a punchline 30 years, 25 years. I and, know. Um, he, yeah. yeah, and it's just, I mean, he did, he had a motorcycle accident, whatever. I don't know. But he's, he's a joke. But he used to be an actor, and he mm-hmm. could be really interesting and effective and had this kind of great, goofy charm. Uh, he did Buddy Holly. He got an Oscar nomination for that, actually. But mm-hmm. uh, I like him in this film because uh, in his role – He's uh, kind of a fuck up, you know, an on and off drugs, young, youngish guy. It's not a huge stretch for him, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what his life was like then, actually. But like what I'm saying is, um, you know, he's kind of like a young guy. Like these guys are older, mostly in the film. And he's this young. He has a drum kit. Like he's like, yeah, I kind of want to start a band. And, you know, and like so he's like, you know, (laughs) younger and like more like um, 60s, 70s kind of guy. And that means, you know, drugs pretty much. But he has a little family, and there's a great early performance uh, because his family is uh, Kathy Bates, and uh, mm-hmm. she does a really nice job. And there's a little scene with her and Dustin, and his son <clears throat> is actually his real son. Uh, Jake, what's his name? Busey. <laughs> Jake, Jake Busey. Busey. How could I forget? No, but um, but I don't know. But of course, this is maybe the just one of the big top three huge tragedies about how this all winds up. Um, you know, because he's a bit of an oaf, Gary Busey. He's just a big old teddy bear kind of thing, and he doesn't have a mean bone in his body, but his guts get full of lead, man, and it's harsh. They actually call yeah. him that the bear. They, they, it's all about bear hugs, and uh, you know right. they, they right. do really get big bear bear hug. Get, get yeah. bear bear hug, and um, it's just an ice cold uh, moment. One of the last scenes in the film, uh, he gives he gives him a bear hug, and he shoots uh, uh, Dustin shoots Busey uh, yeah. because he's committed. You know, because he's committed the the crime of leaving the scene of a two minutes late heist and uh and he gets you know Harry Dean Stanton killed uh, you know that's in the mind of Dustin Hoffman and it's terrible and it's ugly and it's just a waste of life and you know that this guy's family is like feet away from the scene I know so I don't know if you guys had any thoughts and it's Dustin's fault just as much as it is his and no that's yeah, what we were saying fault. Yeah, yeah and that he meets out the justice and then kind of just lambs it you know but so, it ain't yeah it's justice. it makes him sort of a it does make him cross that line a little bit um, it's pretty sour in terms of like irredeemable yeah you know, um and, 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 it's, and it's unresolved too we don't see him get 
we don't see him like pay for that crime or anything. No, you know? so just sort of interesting too. the movie hangs that way. Yeah, it has that amb- that ambiguity at the end where you know he he's in some border town or whatever, and he he has he sends Teresa Russell back to L.A. and then he kind of waits and drives south, and then he just hits the road. Hits the road, and then his mugshots kind of evoke the fact that you well, know he's going to get apprehended at some point. But well, I, I can predict thought... the future. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he, well, he commits a petty crime. He gets caught. Fingerprints. He, all that stuff c- comes up against him that we've seen in the film, and he's never getting out of jail. What, what is it about him that like it makes him such a bad criminal? You know, and all this is it just that he's just so antsy, and we like he keeps saying like one big heist, and I can join society, or I can I can I can it'll change everything. You know, he can be is really that good. What it is? He's just he's just so antsy and wants it. No, back, I, think, wants it quick, I think it's quickly. you. Well, the only first heist went, everything up. The first heist went swimmingly. The first the bank heist. Again, I'm going to reiterate it. He has a, a moment. He has a compulsive episode yeah. on the second heist. That's not normal, you know, heist stick-up guy. Uh, he's he's a good criminal. He's yeah. fine. No, 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 no. We saw that he was going to rob the uh, the uh, twenty seconds. He was going to rob the. Oh my god! Uh, oh my god. The, the, the poker game. You know, no, he was in the wasn't there with like his little, That's not his fault. Sorry. His fault. No, no. Marcus, stop. He 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 tasted both lives. He tasted the life of having the bank robbery. He fell in love with the girl. He realized he could never have it. That drove him nuts. Eight and seconds. the compulsion spiraled into it. No. I just want to say the end of the book, it ends with him saying he's going to turn himself in. And then the last two One words second. of the book are, fuck it. So. The last words are fuck it, and that's what our last words are, right? <laughs> yeah, fuck exactly. It. All, All right, right guys, everybody. High, virtual high fives. Yeah, we did it. We did it. Straight time in one Straight. hour wasn't um, enough. Wasn't enough. Um, but, not even um, close. What's the next hour, bruh? So, yeah, we're going to start getting in the habit of announcing what the next hour is going to be. So our next fucking hour, I'm really excited about this. Um, <laughs> it's going to be from 1988. We're going to the 80s, our first foray into the 80s with yeah. directed by Harold Becker, everybody. We're going to do James Woods and Sean Young in The Boost. Yes. So, so get your pre-watch ready. Take your yes. notes and take join the notes. discussion. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and cut up some big fat rails yeah. for uh, <laughs> The Boost. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna, gonna be fun. We're gonna, a monster energy. I'm thinking maybe it's time to drink a monster, like a five hour energy or something. Or um, I'll have some acai uh, berry. Another coffee. <laughs> berry. Yeah, I'll take yeah some vitamin B five. Uh, yeah, and I love <laughs> the tagline. How far would you go to keep your edge? So that's what we'll be looking at in uh, next <laughs> week's episode. Uh, one fucking hour on the boost. And now, of Hell course, yeah. everybody, uh, your moment of zen. And so long, everybody. Take care. Fuck it. In 20 years in prison, I have never heard a convict uh, say that it was morally wrong to kill. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. (laughs) 